Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016 I helped him launch his very first membership he had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership in his first launch he got a hundred and thirty members bringing him in about sixty thousand in income every year now He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast, episode 193. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast, and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner, or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful, and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Hello, and a really warm welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. How are you doing? So as I'm recording this, the sun is shining, my windows are open and the birds are singing. How very grateful I am for a lovely sunny day because honestly, I just miss the sun so much. If you're not in the UK, then, and you don't know what our weather's like, we do, you know, we have nice summers, but it's not as nice as California, which obviously it's sunny all the time. And because we haven't been able to travel, we've had what's felt like a really long winter. Anyway, also that was such a British thing to do, talk about the weather. I'm not here to give you a weather rundown. (laughs) So this week I've got a podcast interview for you. I'm interviewing Christoph Trapp, who is a US-based digital brand strategist. He has been picked as one of the top 14 content marketers in the top 24 digital marketers and the top 100 CX thought leaders. He's a journalistic storyteller and we talk all about live streaming and we go into the kind of conversations around how easy is it to be a storyteller and what sort of things you need to do, as well as some of the confidence in live streaming. So I think uh, this should be a really good one. I am a big fan of telling stories. If you receive my emails, you will know I am. Uh, I like to explain things in a story because I think you understand them better. Anyway, I'm just going to let you dive straight in. I feel like I should intro more, but I think we're good. I'm going to link off to everything in the show notes if you want it. And otherwise, enjoy. I'm really excited that today I get to welcome to the podcast the very lovely Christoph Trapp. Christoph, how are you doing? 
Doing great. Hey, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. No problem at all. So, Christoph, we always start the conversation about who are you and how you got to do the thing that you're doing today. So if you can enlighten my audience, that would be lovely. So I uh, I actually started as a journalist, uh, wrote for newspapers back in the day when when there was mostly print and we were just making the transition into digital. And then slowly but surely made the move into digital, mostly digital, digital content marketing um, for companies. And of course, those things continue to evolve. You know, I started as a writer. Writing still matters. It's still, it's not dead. Seriously, the written word still matters. But now we have podcasting. Now we have live streaming. Virtual reality will be next. It's already here in some industries. So things always continue to evolve. And, you know, I'm very interested in how do we use the new technologies, tie them into our existing strategy, tie them into our current implementations, and really throw our content at parade. So journalist at heart, journalistic storyteller um, on the company side. I like it. So how much of that kind of journalism, is it is it basically the same but performing it? Or Because I always thought journalism was a very different skill set to maybe content creation. I know they are both a level of content, but are there more similarities than I imagine? Well, they are pretty similar when you when you when you do it well and with a company. And a lot of times, I know um, content creation in companies has turned away from journalistic storytelling, and that's not always the right way to go, in my opinion. Sometimes it is, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes what it means is you know we're really watering everything down, and you know it's like it it goes through approval hell of fifty nine steps where people want to change a word because they mm-hmm. like it better or they have a a childhood memory or whatever. I'm, I'm over-dramatizing this here a little bit, but, you know, and, and journalistic storytelling really just tells the story around um, what people need to know in an engaging style. Um, and that doesn't mean we have to tell all the bad stuff or tell, you know, everything, um, but we want to, we want to tell that story differently in a way that people actually want to read it. And sometimes you know, when you look at corporate marketing gobbledygook, quite frankly, mm-hmm. nobody wants to read it. And then we wonder why our content isn't performing. So what I found is, you know, when you use some of those journalistic storytelling um, strategies, you you can um, you can change that. And I mean, think about what we're doing right here. Like, yeah. you know, 15 years ago, I was on TV. It wasn't any different from what I'm doing here. I got a camera in front of me. I got a light looking at me. I got a microphone in front of me. Only difference is that I'm a lot more casual sitting here today. I got (laughs) to, if you're listening on the podcast, right? I got a, I got a hat on, you know, I, I, I'm relatively well-dressed, but I'm not in a suit, you know? So, but at the end of the day, what we're doing here is very similar to, you know, going on TV, except it's more conversational. Okay, so I've got, you know, I'm thinking of my my listener, listening to this in the earbuds thinking, but I don't know how to tell stories. Like, it feels like that is a real skill to be able to, because, you know, you're, you're a trained journalist. That's, you know, you learn to do that thing. So so if I'm a, you know, solo business owner or somebody starting a business, like, how do I start to try and create just the emphasis of story, regardless of my media, how do I do that? Well, you got to figure out what you stand for. What's different about you? What's unique about you? And I think a lot of businesses fail at that because, you know, you, you ask them, um, 
what's your goal? And everybody says, I want to make money. And for the millionth time, I've never heard anybody say, oh, I don't want to make any money. That's Mm -hmm. not your end. That's not the thing that will differentiate you. Everybody says that. Mm -hmm. What's different about you? How can you help people? What are you trying to do? I'll give you an example. So the latest book I wrote, Going Life, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. I wrote it because I saw a market problem. And the market problem is all these companies are starting podcasts which I think is actually a good idea to do a podcast. Mm -hmm. But the problem with podcasting, especially for companies when they just start new is it's a new channel. They're building it from the ground up, right? Yeah. So what I determined is, well, you can grow that. I get it. But you can also maximize it by live streaming your podcast and by Mm -hmm. live streaming more because those are existing networks. So my storytelling differentiator currently is how do you do that? How do you use the technology? What do you need? And so companies need to figure that out. What's unique Mm -hmm. about you? And it can't just be, oh, this one little widget is slightly better than the competition. Yeah, yeah. So would you say that in terms of the storytelling, that it's not just necessarily the product, but it could be them, their you know, because one of the things that I joke about all the time is, you know, that I like gin. And when I say joke, I'm not joking. I really do like gin. But like, so I included it. It's on my website. It says on my homepage, you know, uh, on my about page, I think it is. It says, you know, I'm from England. And yes, that means tea. And by tea, I mean gin, you know, and, and it's part mm-hmm. of my my character and my story almost. So can that be something personal to them as well? Yeah, and I think you kind of have to do that, quite frankly, to, you know, get yourself out there and mm. and be part of the brand, especially as the founder or or really anybody at, at a company it doesn't just mm. have to be the executives. But yeah, absolutely. Get out there, share your story, stand for something, you know, and, and people will say, well, well, who cares about it? I'm like, well, then who cares about your product? I'm just, yeah. you know, there's so think about it this way. So I got a camera in front of me, 4K camera. Mm-hmm. You know how many 4K cameras are out there? It's unbelievable. You know, how do those companies yeah. um, find a way to stand out? So absolutely, that's one way to stand out by kind of inserting that personality and continuously sharing those stories that that potentially have an impact. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk uh, before we get, we're going to get get on about live stream. We're going to talk about live streaming and why as a business owner, you should look at it and think about it and do it. And we'll talk about some of those fears. But before we do, let's just address the book because you're talking about an industry that is so fast moving. So in the book, are you telling me the the kind of tactics or are you telling me the the kind of you know, premise or basics around it, because it's funny, because obviously even podcast episodes, even blogs, the minute you write them in this industry, they're potentially out of date. So how do you go and write a book about an industry that's so fast moving? Well, so first of all, you, you want to have some content that doesn't change, right? So yeah. evergreen content, that's always important. And the evergreen part of going live is what are the strategies? What are you going to do? How are you going to talk about it? How do you invite guests? What's your mm-hmm. workflow? Um, what do you talk about? What's your style? And there's all kinds of different styles for shows. You know, people have segments, other mm-hmm. people have a conversation, other people a little bit more scripted, which I wouldn't recommend necessarily. So I talk about all those different things, how to get started. That's pretty mm-hmm. high level. And I don't think that's going to be outdated anytime soon. No. Then I also dive into some of the technology things. Here's how you do it. Here's how you schedule it. 
some of those things will probably be outdated at some point. Some mm -hmm. will evolve. Sometimes the screenshots will change just a little bit, um, but the the context, the content will still work. Yeah. Um, and then you know, so so there is a good mix. And then the other thing that's probably going to be evergreen for for quite a while. I really talk about every mistake I've ever made, you know, mm -hmm. so unmuting the wrong guests, doing this, doing that, and all that's in there. And, you know, you might still make some of the same mistakes, but at least you can think about them. And here's the other thing. You will make mistakes. It happens. Yeah. It's live, you know, so just kind of roll with it and figure out, um, figure out how to move forward. I think that's so good. And that's, that's something that, you know, we wanted to talk about today in terms of live, because I think that's what holds so many people back because they are terrified of looking a fool, showing up wrong, saying the wrong thing, the tech not working. But I think we just have to look to like real live TV. Like these are production companies that are putting on this stuff and they still make mistakes. So if you with your iPhone in your house, you know, are going to go live, you've got to just be realistic about the fact of, I guess, these things are going to happen, aren't they? I mean, things are going to happen. And Jason Falls, you know, who, who of course is a fantastic live streamer. He always says there's like 47 dominoes that have to fall and uh, we don't control most of them. Right. I mean, yeah. the only one I control is that I'm showing up and looking at the camera, quite frankly, and then everything else, you know, it's uh, my camera, the internet, I don't run the internet here, right. The yeah. internet has to work. It ships it from here to you to somewhere else to then somewhere else. And it's all these different dominoes. So something will happen, no doubt. And you just kind of roll with it, you know? And even yeah. when something happens, just acknowledge it on air. And that's, you know, I've actually, I've lost um, a live stream guest live on air. And I lost him. I Actually, I lost his video. Yeah. So I said, well, I think I lost your video. So why don't you just leave the room and come back? Yeah. And I'll keep talking until you come back, you know? And he did. And his video never came back. We don't know why. So all we did is we just put up, I just, I was on the screen. I put my logo on the screen, split screen. And on the top, I just said, voice of Ryan Carruthers, you know, yeah. the master, whatever it was, mastermind, uh, membership, something. And it worked. Nobody emailed with yeah. some angry email saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe it was just That's you disgusting. on screen. <laughs> you know, like, oh, well, some may have thought that looking at me. Yeah, but, but you know, that's up to them, isn't it? But you're right. Like, so I had a classic one the other week. One of my members came to me and had launched a product. And she was like, what can I do to really get this out here? And we were brainstorming ideas. And I said, you could go live. Let's do like a launch event, go live on your Instagram, which was her biggest following and talk about your product, maybe do a prize, maybe get some Q&As beforehand, like create it into a bit of an event. Anyway, so she was really nervous. So I said to her, I tell you what, I'll come on with you, right? I'll interview you or I'll prep the questions because I'm not afraid of, you know, going live and looking stupid. I've managed to do that most days. That's fine. Like, you know, so anyway, I said, I'll come on. And she was really nervous. But you know what happened? When I got on, she invited me into the Instagram live Something happened to my phone, which again, don't know what or why, but basically my face got really zoomed in. So <laughs> for a 
a good part of the of the live. You can literally just see like the top of my like literally like the square was full of my face, and everyone's like putting a message of faces or anything to read. So I'm like, oh, I don't know, but I completely owned it. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Let me have a look, you know. And we were making a joke of it, and of course, but the girl that was on, I was doing the live with, like she completely relaxed because it was like if someone messed up, Teresa's done it. Thanks very much. But like. Anyway, I messed with the settings or something. I managed to change something and I, it was fine and it went back to normal. But you just, you I, you know, you haven't got a choice. Just own up to it. It's happening live and, and you're human and we're humans and things happen. And like you said, lots of them aren't in our control. So you just have to go with it. But it was just, you know, and I just laughed about it and we had a bit of a giggle and it was fine and that's great. And But I think that's what people are concerned about. And the truth is, it's probably more likely something will go wrong than not. Like... Do you not think, like, how many times have you done lives where it has literally been slick the whole way through? Well, so it also depends on what your definition of slick is, yeah. right? So there is, um, I, I do have a relatively high tolerance for something not being perfect um, because it's not going to be. And, and yeah. you have to think about it. So, for example, if I'm doing a live show, if I'm the host, I'm producing it, I'm directing it, mm -hmm. I'm the technical person, and I'm also the host. So I have to do all those things, including I have to listen to the, the guest, and then mm -hmm. I have to have a conversation with them. In a TV studio, that's like five people, yeah. like, or more, you know, so, so just something to keep in mind, give yourself some grace, give yourself some, some, some leash there, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of roll with it. And if something isn't perfect, um, I bet you people won't even notice. I'll give you another example. So if I pause, if I'm thinking, right, so I'm going to pause. That felt like eight hours in yeah. my head, right? Yeah. But it, it barely was a pause. Like listeners won't even notice. Right. And here's the other reality on podcasts, not on the live stream, but on podcasts, the silence is now trimmed if you turn off, if yeah. you turn that on. So people can't even tell. So if you're going through an editing podcast and trim silence, I, it's a little bit of a waste, you know, not not completely. But yeah, on lives, you know, just, oh, let me check what's going on with the camera. You know, you walk over, you take your time. And the other thing is you can take your time because mm -hmm. people take time to show up. And I've actually noticed that, mm -hmm. that the longer the shows are, the more people tune in. Okay, so that's awesome. That's really good to know. Let's, let's go back a bit then in terms of like, so why in your mind should businesses look at doing live streaming over something else? Well, I don't know if it's over something else, but okay. I think you need to integrate it into yeah. what you're doing. So here's kind of my process. So I do a live stream and I, I don't always do it. So I pick my battle. So if, if you live in a world of black and white, join me in the world of grace because, you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be also black and white all the time. So I do a live stream and then I, I take that content and I put it on the podcast channel. So first it goes to the live channel. So LinkedIn, Twitter, Amazon, YouTube, and I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. And then I put it on the podcast channel. So another 20 channels, then I might take the content. I write an article. So that goes on my blog that has SEO impact. And by the way, your live stream on a podcast has SEO impact too. So um, it's not like it doesn't do that, um, but you want to integrate it. And then are there any other campaigns you can use it for? Can you mm -hmm. ship content to the sales team? Can you ship content to prospects? Can you do mm -hmm. all those different things? And that's, you know, that's how I would think about it. The other thing is think about who you're going to invite. And there's a yeah. couple of different strategies here. 
Some companies literally only invite prospects, which is actually not a bad strategy unless the prospects have nothing to talk about. Yeah. But you might not care if you just get a six-figure deal out of it or something, you know, and I, I get it to an extent. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I, I'd live with that too, live with it. But, <laughs> you know, you're connecting with people in your industry and you're establishing yourself, you're, you're talking with people. And especially today, it depends on the industry too. There's a lot of industries where people are still at home. You know, they never see anybody. I mean, I was kind of kidding. I got my COVID shot and, and I, I had to drive 20 five minutes one way and then got the shot wait for 15 minutes to be monitored drive back for 25 minutes yeah i was like that's almost like a vacation you know just leaving the house <laughs> compared to what we have been hour. doing for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> so okay so integrating it with other things and i totally agree with what you're saying in terms of going live and doing something and how you can then pull out all the different content from that but how would someone get started if they were thinking, I want to do live streaming or I'm thinking about it or, and I was saying to you before we got on that for me, when we talk about core content, i.e. a blog or a podcast or, you know, YouTube live is for me, I think one of the easiest things to do from a, a kind of planning and production point of view. Because if I was going to go live, I would normally a bit like how I record an episode, I guess for a podcast, I'd normally sit down and think, right, I'm going to talk about this subject. I want to hit five points. What are those five points? Right, just talk. And, and that's as much planning as I do. I wouldn't do any kind of scripting. For me, that would just be the worst thing. I'd make such a mess of it. So if they were going to get started, what sort of things do you think they need to do to get started with going live? Well, the biggest thing is really to figure out what you're going to talk about and, you know, yeah. how you're going to talk about it. And I think that takes a little bit of getting used to just to talk about things for, you know, the, the right amount of time, mm -hmm. which depends. But I would recommend, you know, somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes, quite frankly, okay. to, to have a show. Um, if it's just you solo, maybe a little bit shorter is OK here and there. But that's really the biggest thing, figuring out what are you going to talk about? What are the mm -hmm. topics? How often? Make a commitment. You mm -hmm. know, for example, at, at Vox Pop Me, um, where I work as a content strategist, we have a commitment to go live once a week. So yeah. when I'm on vacation one week, guess what? We're going live twice the week before because I'm not yeah. going to be here next week. And um, so you have to kind of make that commitment because if you don't, guess what happens? You go live one time and say, hey, we're going live now all the time. And then you don't go live for six months. And then you come back and say, oh, hey, we didn't go live for six months. Anybody notice? No. no. Um, okay, we're going to get started now. And then you still don't get started. So forget about this whole launching it thing. Just go mm. do it and get it in front of people. And then technology is also kind of important. So you don't have to start with the highest level of setup. So mm -hmm. for example, now I got a nice mic, I got a nice camera, I got a nice ring light, you know, I, all these different things, but I didn't start there. You know, okay. I started with my iPhone and my iPad. Uh, I, I don't even think I had an iPad at that time, honestly. So just my iPhone and you can start there. And so if you're, if your excuse is, I don't have the technology, if you have a phone, you probably have the technology yeah. Yeah. and then you can buy a little tripod to put it on. I mean, that's yeah. really how simple it is. You're right. And I think often we let those things stop us. We let those things, I need the lighting better. I need a nice background. I need a nice room. But, you know, I was looking at a picture just the other day and my daughter was behind me while I was looking at my computer and she's like, 
is that you, mummy? And I'm like, yeah, from ages ago. And of course, the quality looks awful. My office looks a mess. Like it, it, nothing is like the setup I have today. Because like you said, you have to get to that point. And also personally, it would be, a, I think it'd be a waste to begin with because who knows you're not going to like it. Like it might not be for you. You might decide actually, I just, live video is really not for me. And you've just bought all this stuff and now it's absolutely pointless. So I think I would, personally, I would probably get going with it. And then once I've established enough of a fact of, and again, I did the same with the podcasting in terms of the mic and the equipment and the whatever, you know, and then I got to a point where I was like, actually, this is, this is what I want to do. I really like this. Let's start to invest in it. But I think that key thing of just planning what you're going to say and just doing it. So Talk to me about the fear of no one showing up, right? Because I know there's loads of other fears, but people must have this one. And this is probably for me, the thing that is more likely to happen when you get started. So how do you handle that? What do you do? Well, so here's a, here's childhood trauma. You know, honestly, uh, birthday parties were not, not as many people showed up as I thought they would, for yeah. example, say, but that doesn't mean I should ruin my birthday, right? Like, yeah. I mean, think about, you know, you know, now I'll sit in a room by myself and have a steak if it has to come to that, and I'll still enjoy <laughs> it. So there's, you just, you have to kind of get used to it, quite mm -hmm. frankly. And early on, especially if you do a podcast only, very few people will show up and will listen. If you stream to your existing social channels, all those channels that you spend years building, chances are that nobody will show up are pretty small today because all these channels are actually, you know, favoring live video because it's yeah. relatively new. So somebody will show up. Will you have millions of views? Probably not. Depending on your industry, you know, who knows how many people are in, the, in, in, in your industry. So if you, for example, if you sell a big piece of equip, uh, construction equipment, there's not millions of buyers that care no. about those topics. So keep that in mind too. Um, but even if nobody shows up, don't sweat it. Keep going, mm -hmm. keep pushing, keep, keep doing it. And, you know, I think the latest I saw when it came to podcasts, most, most podcasts stop after seven episodes that you can't do anything in seven episodes. Sorry, no. it takes a while to build yeah. the, you, you know, your brand. So um, even if nobody shows up, don't sweat it, keep yeah. going. Um, hopefully it'll go up um, down the road um, and you know, promote it, schedule it. Scheduling is another tool that has helped me really drive reach because people see the scheduled posts, you know, yeah. and then they can see the live stream within that same post later on. Um, but yeah, don't overthink it. Don't feel bad. Just keep yeah. pushing forward. Awesome. So let's just talk briefly about the tech bit because my my main platform that I'm on now is probably Instagram. That's the one I like the most. That's the one I spend the most time on. But obviously Facebook does do some good stuff when you're doing live video. The reach gets better than you would on a normal post. Obviously LinkedIn have now got live video. So where am I, where am I doing this? And how do you feel about doing it to all of them? But bearing in mind with Instagram, as far as I'm aware, please tell me if I'm wrong, but you can't multi-stream to Instagram. Instagram's still on its own and you've got to do it through a phone. So, so what's your thoughts on doing multiple locations at once? Well, I'm a big fan of doing multiple locations at once. And I currently stream to Twitter, 
Um, of course, Twitter is changing with Periscope going away. So I, I think they're just moving it to Twitter. Um, YouTube, LinkedIn, Amazon. I'm a big fan of that currently. I don't mm -hmm. currently stream to Instagram. So you're correct. Technically speaking, um, based on the terms of service, you're not supposed to stream to Instagram with a third party yeah. service. Um, however you can. So depending on how rebellious you are, you might think about that. Uh, I think it's Yellow Duck is one of the, the tools that allows you to okay. do it. So you can go restream to Yellow Duck to Instagram. Okay. I haven't made Instagram a priority at all because first of all, it's a different, um, you know, it, it, it's vertical versus horizontal. Mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't look like the way we're talking. It's horizontal, right? With the mm -hmm. pictures next to each other. So that wouldn't look good on Instagram. So that's a big problem. Um, so you kind of have to think about how do you potentially overcome that if you want to go there. The, the other problem that I see on Instagram, now, if you have a huge audience there, you might not care, but it's very, very difficult to repurpose the content because it doesn't, as far as I know, it doesn't really save anywhere, or maybe it does now, but last time I looked, it doesn't. Yeah. And then, so once you're live, you're done, you could record it, I suppose, with the screen grab um, tool, the screen recording tool, for yeah. example, or others. But yeah, I'm a big fan. If you can stream to multiple channels and save mm -hmm. it and then use it other places, that's, I think, the way to do it. Of course, you know, it always depends um, as well. And what system do you use to go multiple at once? So I currently produce on Switcher Studio on my iPad, and then I push that to Restream, and then Restream pushes it out. You okay. can also directly work in Restream if you don't necessarily want to produce it the way I do it. You can also use StreamYard, and I think those yeah. are probably the, the main players. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome, awesome. So I'd love to just touch back before we finish on the some of the things that you said that go wrong like and and some of the problems you've had to do because again I think often what happens is our audience they find you or they find someone when they're at a good level because the reason they find them is because they've been doing it so consistently for a long time and then they look at that standard and think well I'm not going to do that not knowing that you have made every mistake under the book up until that point so tell me about like some of your entertaining horror stories like going live and what's happened <laughs> well i mean I, i'm muting the wrong person right or not explaining the right things so i'll give you an example i don't sometimes you forget about explaining everything you know to the guests because you only yeah. have so much time before you go live so but on switcher what happens is so i got the live channel and then there's like a back channel so the guests and i can actually talk off air yeah. while the live feed is going on well, what happens is, so they can also hear me if I mute myself or I'm off screen. So every once in a while, you know, like my kids will walk in and out. I'm on mute, but I go, get out of here or yeah. whatever. <laughs> and they can hear it, but it's not actually on the live feed. Or I'll get up and I'll pick something up or, or I'll grab yeah. something. And they're like, oh, what happened? Because they can see behind the scenes yeah. while they're not realizing that's not being broadcast yeah. so uh you know some of the prep things for sure um also yeah, i mean what else unmuted the wrong person lost feeds midway through um what yeah. else um i mean horrible audio i think audio is probably the, the most important thing yeah. right now to get you know nothing like totally terrible 
but mm-hmm. you know or, or put the wrong lower third on the screen like one time somebody was talking from adobe and i put on the starting soon uh but the the starting soon graphic you yeah know, yeah rather wrong, than putting on the, the wrong yeah. button um and they were like oh, oh you know and, and sometimes like it, it's interesting like some guests just kind of breeze through it they don't yeah. acknowledge it and which is probably the best way to do it but just those things i mean things but things will happen like yeah the end yeah and, and we just have to get over that don't we so tell me do you always interview or do you do solo ones sometimes should they be looking to interview if they're going to do a live stream what do you think well, I do solos and interviews, but I find interviews much, much easier just because, first of all, you are talking to other people. You have a little bit of a conversation and um, it's much easier to actually offer, you know, a full show. If if you're not a trained journalist, I guess, per se, or a storyteller, doing a live show, I mean, that's that's a lot of work because you're just kind of talking to yourself. You're just talking to the camera, right? You're looking at the camera and and, and then you also have to do everything else unless somebody else produces it for you but when you first start probably do some some solo ones just to kind of get the feel of it Mm -hmm. and then pretty quickly jump in you can also interview internal people customers you know um and and invite others um but i think it's a lot easier and and a lot more fun when you have guests yeah i think so and i think as well especially if you know them like you know and those are your first few before you then go out to like the wider world just because then you can be forgiving of each other. You can laugh if something goes wrong. You can, you know, have a bit of an easier time of it rather than, I guess, when you start having bigger guests, you then feel this pressure of, I've really got to perform. I've got to be on as well as do everything else and do all the stuff and that sort of thing. So, so yeah, Yeah. I think it's funny. I keep talking about whether I'm going to do some live stream because at the moment I only go live in my group, paid group. And I don't often do lives externally, but I have all the setup and all the things. And it's like, sometimes I think it would really help to do some lives and repurpose that that content. But I'm at a stage just to sort of, you know, reiterate where obviously I do have a podcast, but I have a team now. So, so if you're sat there thinking, how on earth am I going to fit this into my day with everything else? You know, you've got to be realistic, which is why I'd probably go with a live first, because it just isn't as much prep work or organization as maybe some of the other things take. Um, I do think. It, well, and, and think about, so what we're doing right now, like you, go, us going live would have hardly been any more work no. for you. I mean, no. a little bit because you got to push some, but it depends on, on how fancy you want to make it too. Like mm. when I first went live, I didn't have an opening, you know, I had a lower graphic and then we mm. were just next to each other and you could literally start like that. Like you yeah. could literally take what we're doing right now and just live stream it. And at some point you had an opening, some people have closings. I don't even have a closing. Yeah. So, but yeah, you could like, we could have totally gone live and it's very little extra work on your yeah. end, quite frankly. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You, you know, and I have to say just one last thing, the closing at the opening for me fixed so many problems. You know, when um, you watch a live and someone goes live and they're like, and they're just looking at the camera and then eventually they're like, uh, 
hello oh I think we're live I think we're live whereas like when you do a uh, a countdown or an opening scene which if I can do it I can assure anybody listening it's really not that difficult but like when you've got that you know that you've gone live you can go and check so I'm on mute well that's counting down I then open up another screen and check that I'm live in the group and then literally it counts down and I use Ecamm for when I go live and I'm sure it's the same in all the other ones where it can then change to a different scene automatically. So then suddenly I'm automatically on screen and then I can go, Hey, and welcome to the live. And it's just, for me, that just felt so much slicker. Like, whereas I think when, when I didn't have that, it was like, am I live? Am I not live? Let me see. Can you hear me? Can you see me? Can you, you know, and you were doing all these things. Whereas I think having that for me anyway, made it feel one, it looks nice and, you know, it kind of gets, it gets you to test the tech as well in the sense of if you're not stream, if it's not streaming for whatever reason, you can see before you're meant to be there talking. So yeah, but I did make an epic fail. Check this out. It's a ridiculous fail. I did a live stream and I thought, oh, I know I'll, I'll push that live stream out as a ad but of course I pushed the live stream out as an ad with my countdown on it. So the first minute and 50 seconds of the live stream was just a countdown. And it's like, if I'm trying to advertise that to a cold audience, who is going to watch a countdown? So anyway, I then cropped it, re-put it back up again. So now though, you know, when you, um, so I have a countdown as well. And when you go, uh, when you're done going live, you can go back and actually now trim it on LinkedIn and also on YouTube. So YouTube, you go in, you just trim it out. LinkedIn, you just trim it out. So it starts at the beginning. So people don't have to watch the countdown. Twitter, it doesn't currently allow that. But of course, we all know Twitter doesn't like edit buttons of any kind. Nope. So, um, but yeah, you can. Um, That's so you awesome. Can do that. I didn't even know that. That's so cool. Facebook doesn't offer it, no? I don't know. I don't currently stream to Facebook. I, yeah. I think they don't, but yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Christoph. That was so useful. Lots of good stuff. Really lovely to have you on today. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I will link to everything in my show notes, but where would you like people to come and find you? I mean, please check out AuthenticStorytelling.net. Feel free to connect on LinkedIn, Twitter. Of course, the book is available on Amazon worldwide. Um, And it is also available. It's a a Kindle, paperback, and hard copy, hardcover, which is uh, relatively new for independent publishers. Um, and that's available in like the UK, Germany, France, the US, awesome. uh, Italy, Spain, something like that. Cool. No, and we will make sure we've got all those links in the show notes. Christoph, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. There you go. That was this week's interview. I will be back next week for a solo episode. Have a wonderful week and I will see you then. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I would love it so very much if you were happy enough to head over to iTunes and give me a review. 